my talk today, it's called Goats and Love. We're talking about greatness. Uh, greatness is something that our society is enamored by. Uh, we, we, there are TV shows and movies all about greatness. We're fascinated by this. And, and, and I was thinking about this and I thought, you know what? I've got a pretty good story to tell about this. My friend Roman and I, Roman's sitting right here. Uh, Roman's my best friend and uh, my business partner. Uh, Roman and I uh, both really enjoy music and two of the greatest musical artists of our time, whether you agree or disagree, are Justin Timberlake, uh, which I do have a little bit of man crush on it, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, uh, and Jay-Z. Uh, and the two of these gentlemen happened to be touring just a couple of years ago together. And so Roman and I decided to go see them, and we happened to get tickets to a show of theirs in Miami, Florida. So we fly down to Miami, we're hanging out for a couple days, talking about the concert, getting excited to go. And one of the things we had determined before we even left Tulsa was we were going to try to sneak back and meet Justin Timberlake and Jay-Z. And so we get there, we go to the show. It's an amazing show. uh, And it's probably about midnight or one o'clock when it gets over. And Roman and I decide we are going to try to sneak back and meet him. So we're waiting in the arena. It's where the Miami Dolphins play football, outdoor arena. And so we're waiting, we're waiting right there. We were going to just try to sneak backstage and just take off running and try to get somewhere. We didn't even know where we were going to go, but we were going to get there. And so we're waiting, but they had security out the wazoo. So there wasn't really any chance there. And we had seen this other little passageway that we thought we might be able to get there. We went in there and all the doors were locked, so we couldn't get anywhere. But then we remembered that as we walked in, we had to park a couple blocks away from the stadium to come to the show. And we remembered when we walked in that we had passed all of the semi-trucks and trailers for all the gear. And so as we're walking by this, I just said, all right, we're going to duck in right here. So we kind of cut behind the trailers and get back in this back area. And lo and behold, this is where the people were going to come out. Nobody questioned us. (laughs) Nobody said a word to us. We're back there. Uh, And we notice on one side of this little area that we're standing, there's probably 30 black Suburbans and Escalades just sitting back there. And we're wondering what's going on. And all of a sudden, like the band and the backup singers start walking out. And we're like, okay, I think we're in the right place. Uh, A little bit later, we thought James Harden walked by. And then we're standing back there and this guy named DJ Khaled, I don't know if any of you know who he is. If you're an OSU fan, you might know who he is. He's got the song, All I Do Is Win. All I Do Is Win, Win, Win. Oh, okay, no OSU fans in the house, great. If only that song were true for OSU. Ah, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> preach, brother. All right. Uh, uh, so, so DJ Khaled walks out, and so Roman and I go talk to him, and we get a picture with him. I don't know what we're going to do with it, but we got a picture with him. And then Timbaland, Timbaland, again, nobody knows who he is, but Timbaland walks out. Timbaland is the guy that produces all of Justin Timberlake's music. The guy is huge. He's an icon in music right now. He walks out and he was drunk and high and like blasted out of his mind. But he took a picture with us and he was crazy. And I got to open his car door and he gets in. It was crazy and awesome. And then, and then, and then, uh, so we're standing back there and, and Rihanna, Rihanna walks out. She got in her car too fast for us to meet her. She was a teeny tiny little thing. And then all of a sudden this massive individual walks out of the tunnel. It's freaking LeBron James. LeBron James is walking straight towards me. Roman is LeBron. Let's go talk to him. So we walk over and LeBron goes to start getting in the back door of this Suburban. I'm, I literally walk right up to the front of the Suburban. Like for them to leave, they're going to run over me. 
And I, LeBron, can we get a picture? And the guy in the driver's seat's going, no, get out, get out. His bodyguard that's on the other side, he's like, nah, he's not taking a picture, man. LeBron wouldn't even look at me. I was like, you freaking turd. You won't even look at me. But I say all of this just say we're enamored with greatness. Like, not one of you did I go to as you're getting out of your car. Hey, can I get a picture with you? Not because none of you are great, but we, we've, we've come up with this picture of greatness and we idolize. We didn't get any pictures of Justin Timberlake or Jay-Z. Jay-Z's bodyguard almost broke me in half. It was a bad deal. I'll tell you that story later. But we're standing there and we're enamored with greatness or what we've deemed as greatness. We're waiting on these guys because society says they're great. And don't get me wrong, LeBron is, but he's also self-proclaimed the greatest player of all time. I think that's debatable. Partly is because he wouldn't take a picture with me. But greatness, it's something that we are fascinated with. So much so that Nike made an entire campaign around this concept of find your greatness. And I I brought one of their ads with me today. I thought it was an incredible ad. Man, what an amazing ad. Greatness is in all of us. There's only one part of that ad that I don't agree with. He said greatness is something we made up. I have to disagree with that because you see, I believe that especially as men, greatness is something that's on the inside of us put there by God. You see, God is a great God. He created everything. He created LeBron James and Michael Jordan and Tom Brady with these unbelievable skills. The Bible says that we're created in his image. Greatness comes from God. Greatness is not something that we made up. It's something God made up. And it's something that's placed inside of each and every one of us. And I believe as leaders and as men, we're all leaders. And you may be thinking, you know what? I'm not a leader. I'm not, I'm not in charge of anybody. I don't lead a team. I don't lead an organization. I don't own my own business. And that's okay. I just want to go ahead and dispel that real quick. In case you're in here, most of you know you're a leader. But in case you don't, you are a leader. You may not have a team that reports to you, but do you have kids? If you don't have kids, are you married? And even if you're not married, all leadership begins with leading ourselves. We're all leaders. And when you put these two together, we are destined to be great leaders. So here's what I want to talk about today is how do we do that? How do we become great leaders? How do we become the people that are not like LeBron sitting behind a press conference table telling everyone we're the greatest of all time, but rather just let our results speak for ourselves? Like I said, my talk today is inspired by the book that I just handed out, and it's such a fascinating concept, and it kind of flies in the face of what society says greatness is. But uh, we're going to actually pull our text from the book of 1 Corinthians. Uh, This passage, I'm going to give a little backstory before we dive into this. This is a passage that most of you have probably either read or heard at some point in your life. Even if you've never opened the Bible, if you've been to a wedding, you've heard this passage. 1 Corinthians 13, it's been deemed the love chapter. Uh, it's the verses that are read while the minister's telling you how you're supposed to act with each other. But the chapter right before it, 1 Corinthians 12, the dude that wrote this, his name's Paul. Paul wrote most of the, uh, the New Testament. And in this letter, he wrote to the, uh, the Corinthian church at the time uh, in chapter 12. And back in the day, obviously, there weren't chapters and verses. We did that just to contextualize this and help it, easy, help it be easier for us to find stuff. But at the end of chapter 12, right before he goes into talking about love, and even just to back up just a little bit, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts and leadership. And then in 1 Corinthians 14, Paul is talking about spiritual gifts and leadership. 
And then for so long, we've separated it as though in between this, that Paul stopped to talk about marriage. When in reality, the whole time, Paul is talking about leadership. And so at the end of 1 Corinthians 12, uh, he says this. He's been talking about leadership, and this is how he ends chapter 12. It says, now I will show you the most excellent way. He's already been talking about leadership, and he says, I'm going to show you the most excellent way to lead. And then he proceeds on to say, he's already been talking about spiritual gifts. He said, look, if I've got the most amazing spiritual gifts in the world, if I can speak in the tongues of angels, if I've got the faith that can move mountains, or in today's context, if I get that raise, if I get that promotion, but I have not love, I'm nothing. It's all for naught. Without love, all of this means nothing. And then he goes on to tell us what love is. He says, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. And we're going to skip ahead to the end of the chapter here. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13 says this. In the end, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love is the most ultimate force in the universe. It's the most powerful thing. If you've ever wondered what it would be like for God or Jesus to lead your business, lead your team, manage your team, run your organization, lead your family, raise your kids. How would he do it? He just told us. First John 4, 8 says that God is love. This just defined the entire character of God. Many of us sitting in this room right now, we could say, you know what, if I had a leader like this, this is somebody I can get on board with. The guy that you just described is somebody that I can get on board with. But he's telling us we can do the same thing. This is where we find our greatness is right here, is leading with love. Greatness is found in leading with love. You want to be great? This is how you do it. Because here's the amazing thing. Greatness isn't about me. It's not about me sitting behind a press conference table talking about how great I am. Leadership isn't about me. Leadership is about the people that I lead. Leadership is essentially servanthood, and that's what it just described. Not one of these things describes who I am and who I'm going to be and how people are going to treat me. It's all about how I'm going to treat others. You want to be great? Lead with love. It is the most excellent way to lead. And just to go ahead and put some guardrails on this in case it seems like, yeah, this is kind of a pipe dream. This is like field of daisies kind of thing. In a perfect world, this might work. But I work with some stupid people. (laughs) Anybody work with some stupid people? Okay. One thing you need to understand is this is how Jesus operated. Even when he lived here on the earth, these characteristics, these 16 things are how Jesus operated. But yet we see stories in the Bible of Jesus walking into the temple when people are, are making a mockery of the house of God and he fl- he's pissed and he flips the tables and runs them out. We see Jesus at the, at the well when the woman comes up and they're, they're talking about the water the, the, of eternal life and Jesus says, go get your husband. She said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus looks straight at her, reads her mail and says, you're right, you have five, you've had five husbands. Jesus was willing to have the uncomfortable conversation. 
Make no mistake about it, Jesus wasn't a pansy. Not to mention, <clears throat> not to mention when the rich young ruler walked up to Jesus and said, Master, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, keep the commandments. He says, which ones? Jesus tells him, and he says, I've done all of them since my youth. And then Jesus looks back at him and says, then go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. The Bible says that this guy, he was what we would describe as greatness in today's society. He was rich, he was young, and he was famous. And Jesus looks at him and says, sell everything you've got and go give it to the poor. And the Bible says that he walked away sad. Jesus didn't chase after him. Jesus let him go. And the Bible says Jesus had compassion on him. He loved him enough to let him walk away. Jesus looked at Peter at one point and said, get thee behind me, Satan. At the last supper, before Jesus was arrested, he called Judas out. One of you is going to betray me. And he did it in front of everybody. Judas knew it was him. Jesus knew it was Judas. He called him out in front of everybody. Love is not a pansy thing. It's not an unmanly thing. Today's definition of love is not love, it's acceptance. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about being a man and loving people, caring for people, doing what Jesus would do. Just a minute ago, we looked at these greats like Tom Brady. Whether you like him or not, dude has done some amazing things. He's not bad on the eyes either. That's two, two comments like that today. Guys, I'm not... Married happily. Man, I don't even have my wedding ring on. This is bad. Uh, uh, But Tom Brady, his passing completion percentage is a little over 62%, which is outstanding in the NFL. But if you think about it, almost four of ten throws from him are going to be failures. Michael Jordan, unequivocally the greatest basketball player of all time, his field goal percentage was just over 50%, which means that half of the shots that he took were going to miss, were going to be failures. I know there's no hockey fans in the house, but we all know the name Wayne Gretzky. There's a reason for that. It's because he's the greatest of all time when it comes to hockey, unequivocally. Yet his shooting percentage was 17%, which meant less than two of ten shots actually went in the net. And yet we consider these guys the greatest of all time. And when it comes to leadership and leading with love, at the end of this, Scripture says love never fails. He's giving us a recipe that doesn't fail. You want to be great as a leader? Lead with love. And like I said at the beginning of this talk, I'm here to tell you this, not as something that I know or have mastered. This is something God is teaching me. In fact, I want to show you how much I'm, I'm learning this. So, like I said, I am married, uh, just to go ahead and reassure you of that. Um, I have two kids now. I have, my wife's name's Ashley. Uh, we have a two-and-a-half-year-old named Pepper. Uh, she is beautiful. Uh, got it all from her mother, and she, her, she encompasses her name perfectly. That little girl is full of personality. Uh, she never stops talking, uh, just like her mother. Um, <laughs> Actually, Ashley tells me I'm the one that never stops talking. Uh, so, but, and then, and then uh, just a, a month ago, March 1st, my wife gave birth, which is gross, to uh, another little baby. Uh, uh, his name, uh, Manchild, uh, his name is uh, Elijah Cash. We call him Cash. He's an awesome little dude. He doesn't really do much but sleep and poop right now. Um, he is awesome. 
And if any of you have kids in here, you know how great it is to have kids. But you also know how challenging it can be to have kids. And I thought I had this down. My kids, uh, Cash is actually the 11th grandchild in my family. So I'm the youngest of five kids. There's lots of people when we all get together. There are now 11 grandchildren. And so I thought I had this thing figured out. Like I thought we were going to be fine. Plus, I had already been through this once. Well, it's a little bit different going to, from zero to one than it is going from one to two. Because uh, now you're man-to-man defense versus two-on-one. And so it's, a, it's kind of a crazy thing. And so first night home from the hospital, Cash was waking up like every 10 minutes. It was horrible. I wanted to throw him out the window. I didn't, um, nor would I ever do that, but it was horrible. Well, about a week after we're home, things started getting, getting better. Ashley's really good at getting the kids in a routine and a rhythm. But this one night in particular, for whatever reason, Cash wouldn't sleep. And there was one stretch in the night where he stayed up for about three hours. Well, as if it's already not exhausting enough for a mom... Uh, to, 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 to breastfeed and to, to do everything that they do, but then to be sleep-deprived on top of it. Uh, she was asking for some help, and I'm normally very willing to help. And we have an agreement in our, in our home. We're a team. We're in this together. But she knows, as I'm sure your wives know, um, if you want me to help, nagging is definitely not the right way to get it. Am I the only one that feels this way? Okay, there's some chuckling. I feel like I'm not the only one in on this. So... This one night in particular, I, I, guys, I'm a really deep sleeper. Like, nothing wakes me up. It can storm. Tornado sirens can be going off. Somebody can be yelling in my face. I'm not waking up. Like, I, I am a deep sleeper. And she, she, uh, she comes in. She's been dealing with cash for about for a couple hours now. And so what felt like to me for about 15 minutes straight, she would not stop telling me to help. I probably should have got up on the first ask. I realized this. But she was poking me, and she said, Jared, I need your help. Jared, I need your help. Jared, I need your help. Jared, go help me. He won't go to sleep. I don't know what to do. Jared, please help me. It felt like this went on straight for like 15 minutes. And I don't know about you, but like I'm a pretty driven person, and so things trigger sometimes a little bit quicker than they should. But as this is happening, like the anger meter is just like slowly rising. And it hit its fill after about 15 minutes of this. And I rolled over, and I began to push myself off, off the bed, and before I even realized it, I just said, Ashley, shut up. How well do you think that went over? <laughs> My wife is not a crier. Tears, just bawling. I was an enormous jerk. I violated everything that we just talked about. Pretty much all 16 of the things that it says love is or love is not, I violated every single one of them with three words. Huge jerk. And I tell you this today just to tell you, look, guys, I'm not here to tell you of something I've got figured out. This is something God is showing me. And I believe this is something that we can learn together. And I would challenge you just with this. What could our, what could our families look like? What could our lives look like if we started leading with love? What would it look like at work? What would it look like at home? What if rather than after a bad day at the office and going home and wanting to lash out and yell at your wife and kids, you chose to be patient with them? What if when you go to Walmart and you're standing in the checkout line and the person behind there that's, that's checking people out seems incompetent and you want to get angry with them, what if instead you chose to be kind to them? What if that thing that your brother-in-law did 10 years ago 
you're still mad about? What if you chose to say, you know what? I'm not going to hold on to this. I'm not going to keep a record of this wrong. I'm going to let it go. And in the regard of leadership starting with you, what if, rather than holding on and dwelling on all of your past mistakes, you chose to believe the best in yourself? How different could our lives be? How different could the office be? How different could our families be? How different could our relationships be? Our relationships with our coworkers. How different could it be if we just chose to lead through love? You know, with it being all men here, men seem to like challenges. And so I'm going to challenge you with this. This is what I believe is the first step in leading with love. Some of you already may be great at this. Some of you may already have a compassion meter that's much higher than mine. But here's what I believe is the first step. We put together a little card. It just says 30-day challenge at the top. And then it's got all the things listed from 1 Corinthians, verse, or 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. All the attributes of love. And we're going to give each one of you one of these today. And at the bottom, it says, love never fails. And I believe the first step in this is aligning our talk with what God says. And so it's in the first person. It says, I am patient. I am kind. I do not envy. I do not boast. I am not proud. I am not rude. I am not self-seeking. I am not easily angered. I keep no record of wrongs. I do not delight in evil. I rejoice with the truth. I always protect. I always trust. I always hope. I always persevere. We're going to give each one of you guys this today. And my challenge for you is to put this somewhere that you're going to see it for the next 30 days. Whether that's on your dresser, in the car, in your wallet, on the mirror at home. Put this somewhere you're going to see it for the next 30 days and say this out loud. You don't have to yell it. Just say it loud enough for yourself to hear it. Because when we align our talk with what God says, stuff begins to happen. But do this for 30 days. And if you want to take it a step further, find somebody to do this with. Maybe even study this, this scripture out of the Bible. I've been taking the time to actually read this and break it down and one day just study patience. Open up some commentaries and some Bible handbooks. Read the definition of patience. Google the word patience just to learn more about it so that God can begin to change me to become more of a leader who leads with love. But that's my challenge for you is just take 30 days, just 30 days, and if you do this every day, I'm telling you, you're going to see some big results at the end of this of 30 days. Guys, I appreciate you giving me your time. Let's pray, and Johnny can come back up here. God, thank you so much. Thank you for, for setting the example for us, for first leading us with love. And God, I just pray that you'd help us all to apply what we've learned today. We love you so much, in Jesus' name.